Hey guys, it's me, Garrett here. Wanted to say thanks again for listening to this episode of Awesomings Podcast. But first, yes, I mean, but first, if you haven't listened to part one of <clears throat> To Tech Stars and Beyonds, hit pause, go back and listen to part one, and then come join us on this episode. Thanks again for your time. Really excited to share what's happening with our friends from Forecaster in Louisville, Kentucky. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesomings Podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. And then, uh, yeah, last thing, want to see if you had any final remarks. This is where we're going to transition, you know, go beyond the Techstars aspect. So if you have any other, any nuggets of wisdom or any experiences regarding Techstars, we'd love for you guys to throw those in here before we move on. Yeah, I'll throw one thing out there, which is that um, if you're a startup founder out there and you've got a company and you're even um, slightly, you know, considering uh, applying to Techstars or an accelerator like that, you absolutely should. Uh, it just is a phenomenal program. It's totally a career play. It just, like for me, you know, right? I mean, Fantasy Hub failed. It was a failed company. But for the three years after that, I still was able to engage that network and get a ton of value out of it, even even without having a new company that's now in Techstars again. It's it's a really incredible thing. And, and I just want to say that if you are considering applying, please talk to Logan, Logan and I. Um, I mean, we, we could we would be happy to kind of share with you some more insights on on how to, uh, you know, really get that application kind of nice and polished and uh, right now, my record's pretty good. I'm batting a thousand, uh, you know, two for two. So, uh, you know, if, if it's probably blind luck, but just in case it's not, you know, c- come talk to me. <laughs> so good to hear. And also, I forgot that you're batting a thousand, Stephen. Not many people can bat a thousand. I mean, think about it. Major League Baseball players batting three out of 10 and you're getting paid millions. So keep it up. You guys will have millions yourself soon. So as a springboard, how did Techstars launch you into being being ready to handle whatever life throws at you from a business standpoint? And I have a strong feeling COVID is going to be brought up, so I'd love to hear about some of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my, my stab at that question. So uh, our managing director, Ryan Cooter, said something basically the first, I think it might have been the first day of Techstars whenever we met. He was kind of like explaining the rules of entrepreneurship. Uh, and one that just like really stuck out at me was just, play like a champion. Uh, And what he means by that is just kind of like, there are operational things that you know you should execute on and you need to just make sure that you always execute on those things. So if you have a meeting with somebody, a customer, potential investor, anybody, you know that the right thing to do is to send a follow-up email. So you should send that follow-up email. You know that the right thing to do is to get them on your update list so that they're always, you know, constantly being updated on on the company. And, you know, just kind of like determine a process that makes sense and right things to do for the company. And then just play like a champion. Just always execute on the things that you need to execute on and make it a priority because it's those daily tasks, those daily like operational tasks that really pay dividends in the long run. And it's like just a perfect example of this is just, I mean, I keep coming back to the the monthly update, but it really is a huge asset. I mean, everybody that we meet with, you know, play like a champion, get them on the company update list whenever you're done meeting with them, you know, make sure that they're in the loop and that's how you build a tribe. 
And here we are now, you know, uh, almost two years later, and we've got, what is it, Stephen, like four or five, 600 people on that company update list? It's, it's over 750. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you, so 750. I mean, like that's, I mean, it's absolutely insane. And it's just a low hanging fruit thing to do. Uh, so that was one of the big things. And then the other one is just, just their network is just so incredible. Um, if I, I know, I'm very confident that if I come across a problem that I'm unfamiliar with, that I need help with, there is somebody that can and will meet with me to help me through that. Um, and so just, you know, always engaging a network. And I think you'll, you'll notice a kind of like a theme with what I'm saying is like, it all has to do with people and other people and, 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 you know, getting help when you need it and make maintaining transparency. So uh, engaging with folks whenever you need help and leveraging their network to do that. And then just being transparent and, and building a tribe. So. Yep. And I'll, I'll co-sign all of that. The only thing I would, uh, would want to add there is that uh, much in the, along the same lines with the people. I mean, I think that Techstars is a very, very curated ecosystem. So, you know, thousand over a thousand companies typically apply to each Techstars program, less than 1% or about 1% get into the program. So it's a very selective network in general from a founder perspective. They're just as selective with their mentors. So it's a very high quality uh, network. I mean, the people in there are amazing people. Techstars' culture is really good. So they're good people. They're really smart. They're really effective. And when you surround yourself with those people, you, you can't help but learn an incredible amount. And so that's one of these big values of Techstars is that you get in there and you're just completely surrounded everywhere you turn with incredible people. And you can't help but become a better person yourself when that's the case. Um, so I think that's one of the big value props of Techstars is that it is just such a highly curated group of people that are so awesome um, that, you know, it just it flies at you from all sides. You know, it's very visceral. No, I, I totally understand. And you guys have had such a cool experience. And I can imagine that half of the fun and the enjoyment from being in a network is setting like that where everyone is so dialed in, ready to achieve success with their companies that you guys have met so many cool people across the board from our nation. So one thing I'd love to know is where do you guys think Kentucky is compared to some of the startup ecosystems that exist around the States uh, from people that you've met while you were in that program? Yeah, great question. So, and I could answer that by saying, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had the, uh, the great fortune to meet a lot of different people in a lot of different ecosystems. I've lived in Austin's ecosystem. I've been a, uh, you know, pretty active in Cincinnati's ecosystem as well as Nashville. So I've got some uh, experience here. And uh, unfortunately, I would say that Louisville specifically and, and Kentucky as a whole is pretty far behind uh, at a lot of these other ecosystems, just from a perspective of uh, resources, resources, certainly, excuse me. Um, but the biggest problem actually is mindset, which is kind of more foundational. And, uh, and these are very common, natural things. Uh, these ecosystems evolve over time. But um, Techstars and a lot of these other ecosystems like Austin uh, have a, a much different kind of mindset, a much more inclusive mindset, um, and a much more just kind of innovative mindset. Um, and they, they typically have a lot better kind of engagement from big corporates in town. And these things are more foundational 
And once you kind of develop that mindset, you can get better resources. You can get more venture capital in the space. You're bringing in more new talent because you've got this kind of momentum built. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I've seen. It's been very uh, obvious to me when kind of engaging in different places is that uh, we do have a nice pocket of kind of entrepreneurialism here. And those people have a great mindset, but the ecosystem as a whole doesn't have as much of an innovative kind of inclusive mindset. And that's really kind of holding us back. Logan, do you have any thoughts to chime in with that? You know, I think Steven actually, you know, pretty much hit everything, uh, anything that I would have, I would have hit on. I will say that, um, you know, Louisville specifically, there are a lot of initiatives that seem really exciting to me. Um, you know, I, you know, the things that are happening with leap and then, you know, you've got access ventures, uh, with their new fund and, you know, there's a lot of movement and I think that we're generally headed in the right direction. Um, but like Steven said, I mean, there's, there's still a ways to go. Um, and you know, it's, I, I do love the community here. You know, I feel like entrepreneurs tend to gravitate towards each other because it can be a lonely lifestyle. And, you know, I think that serious entrepreneurs quickly recognize that they do need help in a lot of aspects and, you know, founders are all going through a lot of the same things. So we have a good group of, of folks that uh, communicate regularly. Steven does a great job with this Founder Beers event where people come together and, uh, and are able to share thoughts and ideas and just build relationships. It's a lot of fun. You should check it out uh, if you haven't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from a structural standpoint, there's still a ways to go. Um, and I will say, you know, we were just talking about this in our team call before this, you know, uh, we love, uh, you know, the role that Awesome Inc. plays in Lexington. You know, it's kind of this catalyst slash, you know, center point focus of entrepreneurship in the city. And everybody knows that Awesome Inc. is kind of the place to go when it comes to entrepreneurship. Um, Louisville just doesn't have that right now. You know, it's not, there is no center focal point um, where all things entrepreneurship live. And, and uh, I think that in, in some ways, uh, Lexington is a little bit better off because they have that. And it's something that I personally would like to see kind of come to fruition in Louisville. So. Wow. Really, really appreciate your kind words. I know that that only points back to the hard work that Brian Rainey, Luke Murray, Nick Such, Nathan Fort laid down 11 years ago. And so again, we have wonderful partners in town, awesome startup founders like you guys that we get to work with. So really we, we want to be a roadmap that points you to direction if we can help we can so really appreciate your kind words and i know we're really blessed with our community and uh, yeah one thing i want to ask this is what i love because we're going into conversation i'm kind of scrapping what i initially <laughs> wrote down so as i'm looking on the screen i can see a few of us and i see some people who work at uk some people in town who are web developers how can we as people across kentucky who do have some skin in the game in terms of being involved with our startup ecosystem how can we better our mindset how can we better the structures that we have around us to advance Kentucky to be more of a big player in both the tech, the tech realm, but also with creating entrepreneurship, getting people excited about what and where the potential could be here? Yep. Yeah. I'll also throw out my thoughts on that. And that's just that I think the biggest thing that anybody that's a part of the startup ecosystem can do to better the ecosystem and to move the balls forward is to just get involved. It's to get involved. It's to be involved. And it's to lead with giving, lead with love, as I like to call it. Um, you know, it's just 
it's getting off the sidelines and the sidelines doesn't mean not being an entrepreneurship. The sidelines to me means, you know, being an entrepreneurship in a vacuum, you know, get out, get into the community, go to Awesome Inc., meet other founders and really kind of, you know, be human about it. Lead with kind of building real human relationships, help people where you can, and just kind of like, you know, and overall in this together kind of mindset that's centered around, you know, supporting the entrepreneurial companies. I think it's, if you can do, if you can really facilitate a lot of that and you can take this network that we have of entrepreneurs and you can make it more dense. So there's more kind of connection points within the network. It just really strengthens everything. It bonds everything. And I think it creates a better foundation to grow on. So um, that's what I would say to anybody that's out there. That's a part of the ecosystem. Just get involved, um, you know, and yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to that. So I totally agree with everything Steven said. And, uh, you know, Techstars' mantra is give first, you know, that is kind of what they always say is like, if you have the capacity to give, then, then give. And if you have the capacity to help founders uh, in an area that you have a specific expertise in, if you have the capacity to make an intro where it makes sense, if you have the capacity to, you know, um, help people with a fundraise or, or, or talk through things like those are ways that you can just get involved and help founders who are going through, uh, you know, this incredibly difficult challenge of, uh, of building a company. So, uh, you know, I, I love that mantra from, uh, from Techstars, just the entire, whenever you put yourself in that mindset of just give first, I think that that is kind of the mindset you need to be in to, to really build an entrepreneurship community. I love hearing that. Again, I think that's so valuable. And the main thing you guys have said multiple times is people. People have value. People have value. We should all have that tattooed on our forehead. That changed a lot of the way we interact. And uh, unfortunately, we have about 10 minutes left, so we're going to keep this conversation going on. Super appreciative for you too. So uh, as your friends, again, we're excited as a company. Yes, awesome. But me personally, I'm excited for where you guys are headed. And one thing I wanted to ask, kind of circling back to the mystery question, is how are you two handling with COVID, everything that, that's been going on, but then also from a company, from a founder perspective, how has COVID either helped you or forced you to, to pivot your company both in a good or bad way? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of jump on that one first. So like we count ourselves as very fortunate and one of the lucky ones uh, in that we secured our funding back in January before COVID was really a, a, a big thing. Um, and that bought us you know, 18 plus months worth of runway. So we felt very fortunate, um, you know, whenever basically all of this stuff happened and businesses started shutting down, we knew a lot of companies that were struggling and they were kind of, you know, they, they were not in a good position to raise capital and it really hit them hard. And it really is not fun to see your friends kind of go through that and see companies that, that you love. And even, you know, in our hometown, you know, there are several restaurants and several businesses that we've seen close their doors and, and, you know, you feel for those people. And it really just kind of like gives you a chance to count your blessings and be, and, and, you know, think about, you know, how lucky we are, because I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, a lot of this was luck, you know, I mean, if we had just raised six months later, we may be in a different situation now, but we didn't, we closed our round. Uh, in December. So, uh, you know, it, it helps to just kind of remain humble. And because we were capitalized, you know, we really didn't have to change uh, our business operations very much because we weren't 
we were pre-launch, so we were building anyway. We weren't really generating any revenue to begin with, so it really didn't affect a lot. And and in fact, uh, we were able to secure a PPP loan, which allowed us to add bandwidth to the team. Um, so in some ways, it accelerated us slightly. Um, and one of the ways that we tried to give back and, and kind of do our part is we we did collect that money. Uh, but we used it to hire and try to pump a little bit of uh, uh, money back into the ecosystem. So, uh, but you know, it's uh, we count ourselves as one of the fortunate ones. Yeah, for sure. And and I'll just echo that by saying uh, everything that Logan just said. And because we are pre-market and well funded, we are so lucky. And so we were relatively unaffected. Uh, other than uh, one of our uh, four co-founders actually did come down with the virus, um, which had him out for about three weeks, which was a uh, a scary time and a tricky time just for us because anytime you lose a, a team member um, for any reason for that long this early on, uh, it hurts. It definitely hurts. It hurts the business and specifically, obviously, in this situation since uh, we're dealing with the pandemic. Uh, you know, this was Stephen Ams was, was out for uh, a few weeks, and when and so that was that was challenging. Um, but in, in uh, from a demand perspective, we have this really interesting thing where on the one side uh, people are getting really tight with their budgets, so you would think that. Uh, discretionary spending, like spending on like, you know, supercharged software, like, like Forecaster uh, might come down, but they're also really nervous about their cash flow, And they're also really nervous about raising capital and how they can mitigate risk and separate themselves from the pack, uh, which a financial model is really critical for. And so you have this kind of interesting, um, you know, kind of two, two elements to, to weigh. And I, I couldn't really tell you definitively if, if it was, if it was a, you know, booster for us or, 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 or a detriment. Um, so I'm not sure. Sorry to hear about Steven. How's his recovery? Is he, is he all good? He's good to go. He's good, hey, good, good now. Yeah, he's that. good to go. Well, uh, guys, we're, we're coming to a close, which I'm bummed about. Got a couple more questions. So let me read this verbatim. So yeah, we met almost a year ago and recorded your story back in July 16th, 2019. So other than Techstars, where has your company gone since we first talked 11 months, two weeks, and one day ago? We have been, we have been building a lot. We have been, uh, that's really been our primary focus. I think we, I think we uh, discussed that whenever we met about 11 months ago. And uh, we've really just been heads down, working on our process, working on building out our MVP, uh, truthfully, for the past like six months. And it's really paid dividends. I mean, the product is looking great. It's super flexible. It can do really pretty incredible things. And uh, we're at an exciting point where we're, I mean, at this point, you know, a few probably short weeks away from getting it up on a production environment, um, which is really exciting. And uh, we've even got some customers, you know, we've got, we've got a think about 20 paying customers at this point and we haven't launched yet. So that's super exciting. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add some stats to that by saying that, uh, yeah, I guess when we talked last, uh, Garrett, we had zero customers. Now we have 22. Uh, we had $0 in funding. Now we have about 750. Uh, we had zero technical co-founders. Now we have, uh, two. So we've kind of doubled the team to four. We've added some more contractors like Logan said as well. Uh, we didn't have a single line of code written in the current app that we have. We were using, uh, you know, Apex to actually stand up a, a really awesome prototype for us to go raise capital on. And that was incredible. That released actually just about a week after we talked, uh, but we didn't have any code written on the kind of the app that's, that's going to market now. Um, Lord only knows how many, how many lines of code we have written there. The guys have been hard at work, but 
uh, yeah, I just got, that's kind of like, uh, the difference that a year can make, uh, in terms of, you know, some of our key metrics. Man, I'm, I'm just pumped for you too. Seriously, this is so cool to hear. And, uh, you guys see the last question I want to ask before we go and open it up where Jordan chimes back in. How many times, if, if any, have you guys almost walked away from your startup and, on the contrary, what keeps you guys going daily? I can confidently say that there have been zero times where I have uh, almost walked away from the startup. Um, there's not been a, there. There have only been there have been days of frustration. Like there are days of frustration in personal lives, and that just happen. But it's never made it to a point where I've questioned my decision to kind of like pivot career paths and uh, do what we're doing. I'm still super energized and. I think that the reason that I'm so energized is like, I just know this problem really well. Um, I, I know the pitfalls of, of building financial models. I've seen it day in and day out for three years. And I know the value of what we're building. And I know and have a vision of what it, what it can and will be. And that vision just keeps me going. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's never been, it's never even been close. Not yet anyway. Yeah, and I'll co-sign that, honestly. I mean, definitely to Logan's point, there's tons of really hard days. Um, and specifically for me, actually, an interesting thing to highlight is that um, just the difference between my last startup and this one, my last startup, I completely neglected my physical health, my mental health, a lot of my relationships. So in some ways, the business got what it needed. I, I just gave it everything. And so in some sense, there was a simplicity to that. There was an easiness to that. Um, and this time around, I'm much wiser just as an individual and I'm completely unwilling to deprioritize these other things like mental health, physical health, and human relationships. And so because of that, there are now all these competing interests, right? Uh, and so it causes this kind of pressure cooker on your time. You've got to get really good at doing, you know, 80 hours worth of work in a typical 40 hour week, which is what I try to hold myself to. Um, and so that causes a lot of stress and as you're trying to figure out that balance. And so I've had plenty of hard days over the last six months, but to Logan's point, um, for, for me as well, never once felt like this was the wrong decision for me or felt like this was too much and that I needed to go a different route. And a lot of that's just because I think, uh, I, I was born to be an entrepreneur. I, I know that now I know that I get a, so much joy out of it. And for any, for anyone who's been a founder, um, and, and has really found that passion, there's no higher high um, than, than doing something like this and building your company and getting those little micro wins. I call them, you know, when, a, when someone reaches out and say, man, like, this is awesome what you're doing. I'm so happy. Like I'd love to be a customer. Or when you see that product work for the first time and you know that like all your hard work went into that, like there's just so many of these nice little micro wins and these highs that just, they just keep it, keep you going, you know? And, and like Logan said, we do have such a big opportunity on our hands here. I'd be lying to you if, uh, if I, if the dollar signs didn't keep me going as well. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly a guy who wants to make a bunch of money. So I, I think that <laughs> that's a motivator for me. Uh, you know, it just, it just building something awesome. I think we have the opportunity to build a really awesome tech company in Louisville and kind of march things forward, which is the, you know, honestly, my, the, a, a big honor for me. I mean, it's what, something we've said from the beginning that we will not move this company from Louisville. Uh, I don't care what, you know, checks investors will write to make us move. We're not moving. Uh, you can build a great tech company from everywhere and, and lots of companies in Louisville are already proving that, you know, we're going to add ourselves to that list. So. 
Guys, so proud of you. That's that's cool to hear what you're accomplished. Glad to hear you're driving. Honestly, glad to hear that you have not wanted to walk away because I know this is a tough, tough journey you guys are headed down. So really, really proud of you too. Really excited for where Forecaster is going to go. And with that, uh, yeah, we got about 10 minutes for Q&A. So everyone who's tuned in, thanks so much. Would love to hear your questions. Jordan seems to be pumping them out. So thanks for doing that, Jay. So first one up, do you have any suggestions for startups who did, who did get hit heavier by the pandemic? Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just say one, and that is, uh, you know, if you're, if you're hit with the pandemic, and this is going to sound self-serving, but I, I promise you it's not, just take the time to do a financial model, uh, whether that is something very basic in Excel or something like that. And Logan and I are more than happy to help completely for free uh, to help companies like that and really any company. But it's just a very critical thing to do so that you can kind of make the best course of action, basically. Like you, you need um, some sort of model through which to make some decisions because if you've been hit hard by COVID, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, uh, some really tough decisions. You're going to have to cut costs. A lot of times those costs are heavy on people, so you're just going to have to do that. Um, and you're going to have to find creative ways to, to stay afloat. Uh, and having a financial model to kind of run some analysis on is one of the best ways to make the decisions you have to make, but not make any extra ones, you know, I mean, cut the things you need to cut to stay alive. Um, but, but, you know, try to keep, keep as much as you can. And so I uh, can't stress enough the importance of at least having some, some sort of a financial model built out. And we would love, love, love uh, to help with that. Um, Steven at forecaster.co, Logan at forecaster.co. Hit us up anytime. Steven and I, um, we, we hosted a free finance day a couple of months back and the engagement that we got there was just absolutely incredible. We, uh, I think we had one day where we just blocked off our calendars and I remember not having a single blank space on my calendar. I couldn't even eat lunch that day because everybody was just reaching out. They all needed help. And the reason that they needed help was because it is very uncertain in a pandemic uh, what your cash balance is going to look like in the next three months, two months, you know, six months, whatever. And the best and most accurate way to figure that out is like Steven said, building a financial model. So we just tried to help as many people as we could. Uh, we, you know, created kind of these like rough, you know, projections that gave them an idea of levers that they can pull and things that they could do to change that account balance. And some of them are hard decisions. You know, I, I had several meetings where, we had to discuss things like hiring key employees that had been around for, uh, for years and years and years. Um, and, you know, uh, trying to get, uh, you know, riskier loans at higher interest rates quickly just to, just to keep the company afloat. Um, but get, get yourself a framework where you can actually intelligently make those decisions and run those, uh, scenarios. And then, uh, find a mentor or, or somebody who's willing to help. And I'll, I'll throw myself and I know Stephen will too into that camp of people who are willing to help. You guys rock. That's all I can say. <laughs> Appreciate your, your vulnerability and wanting to reach out and help others. That's awesome. And then uh, our boy, Sam Hartman, how does your product set you apart from similar competitors? And then what advantages do you maintain over them? Yeah. Uh, Go for it, I can, I can uh, kind of, yeah, I'll set the stage anyway for, for that question. Cause through fundraising, you, you know, you get that question a lot. Um, so the market that we're in currently is um, 
you know, I, I don't want to be one of those founders that like calls it like some new marketer, like, you know, that, the that, you know, there's absolutely no competitors because that's simply not true. Um, but currently 98% of financial modeling market is Excel. 98% of people use Excel when building financial models. And the reason that they use Excel is it, it's because it can model any business. It's, it's the most versatile, flexible platform out there in that you can create a business uh, you know, for a flower shop or a high growth tech company or IBM in Excel. It is super, super uh, flexible. And so we knew that whenever we built this company, that our platform had to match a lot of the flexibility of Excel and be able to handle a wide variety of businesses and the structured environment to make it more friendly for founders. And I think that at this point, like our biggest advantage, which is a huge advantage, uh, is the is this flexible data architecture that we've created with the help of uh, of our co-founders, and we've created a platform that can handle just this huge mass of businesses and a ton of different types. And I haven't seen a competitor out there yet that can do it in the way that we can, and that can actually build models from scratch in a very customized, uh, very very quick but very powerful way. Um, you know, I think that that really is is our competitive advantage at this point. Um, and yeah, Stephen, I'm sure you have plenty to add to that. Yeah, and I'll I'll add on top of that by saying uh, I completely agree with everything that Logan said. You know, it's a very kind of blue ocean market right now. There's uh, you know a lot of benefits to our our product over Excel and to and to Logan's point above you know some of the other products that are out there. That said, my philosophy is that this market will be incredibly competitive. We're already seeing it heat up in a big way uh, and it'll be kind of a dogfight uh, to, 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 to win the space. And over time, what a lot of times you'll see is that products do commoditize. You know, we'll come out with a product, it's a public facing product. You know, other people will see that, they'll reverse engineer it. And over time, your product will, uh, you know, commoditize in a mature market. And so while Logan's 100% correct, early on our product is a good differentiator for us we have to also look at the future and we say, look, as that product commoditizes, what are our additional differentiators going to be in a space that is SaaS, which is to say a lot of times there's not a lot of IP defense. Uh, and so the way that we approach that is really with brand and strategic networks. Brand is something every company has. Nobody can copy your brand realistically. It's unique to the company. And so prioritizing the brand, building a strong brand that's customer focused and a really strong tribe and community around that brand is something that you have that no one else can have. So everybody should be looking at ways to differentiate with brand. And that's something that we're doing. And strategic networks are something that also nobody can really copy. I mean, now that we're in Techstars, Techstars has a vested interest in us. They have financial modeling as a part of their curriculum. We will own that network. It's the biggest, most influential entrepreneurial network in the world. It's got 2000 companies in it, cranking out another 500 every year. So we're going to look to own really big networks like Techstars. And then we're going to ask ourselves, how can we bolster Carta to our cause or 500 startups? Awesome, Inc. We already have, I hope. So that's good. Um, you know, how can we bolster these other great networks to our cause um, that'll basically give us a network level of scale before our competitors? And then once we build a lead, we think we can maintain that lead. Um, so I wanted to add that color as well. Sweet. Well, guys, we have one more question, then we'll wrap up our time to to respect everyone else who's on the call. So someone asked, um, Stephen, your experience through the, the hiking the Appalachian Trail was was awesome. It's kind of off topic, but he wanted to know if 
that changed your approach to your startup? And I know we've talked a little bit about some of the mental health with working, but has something as cool as that hiking all across nature changed the way you approach your work day to day? Yeah, man. And that's a great question, honestly, because there are honestly a lot of corollaries and things I take from it. Um, The one thing I take is that uh, on the Appalachian Trail, it takes an incredible amount of grit. There's many, many, many days where you wake up and the weather is not good and your body hurts and you just have to get up and hike 15 miles. Um, It's just you have to do it. You can't not you can't not, not move forward. You have to keep moving forward. And as long as you do that, you'll get to the finish line. It's kind of a game of survival and a game of inches. Um, startups are the same way. Like there's going to be tons of days when you wake up and you just are crushed with the, <laughs> with the workload and you just don't want to do anything. You want to go crawl into a hole and watch a movie or something, but you've just got to keep inching the ball down the road uh, and you got to survive and eventually uh, you'll get there. So that's one uh, big, big corollary. Now I, I like to bring up one that's uh, a kind of a divergence between the two, which is really stark, which is that on the Appalachian Trail, you have a known path. When I wake up in the morning, I see the path, I walk the path, period. It's very easy in that way. Startups, you don't know the path. There's an infinite number of paths you could take and you have to decide what path is the right path. So that's one of the things that's much more difficult about running a company yeah, than, than doing a trail like that is that you've kind of got to set your own course um, and it's not obvious, obvious what that course should be. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely changed my life in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, made me kind of think more simply as well, appreciate kind of the, the basic needs that we all have as humans and kind of set your contentment there and let everything else be kind of gravy. Appreciate your time so much. Really looking forward to what you all accomplish in the next six months, but also the next year, especially with us in the fellowship to everyone on the call. Thanks for your time, giving up an hour of your lunch and hanging out with us. Hopefully you gained more than you were expecting. And we will see you guys soon. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Thanks, Garrett. Thanks, everybody. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in the show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.